What's up, everyone? I'm your host, JJ Rivera, and welcome to 305 Culture, a podcast where you'll feel the heat. Now let's get down to business and talk some Miami Heat basketball. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of 305 Culture. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Cavalier Central, Grizz and Grind, Motor City Hoops, Blazing the Path, Hashtag Lakers, Knuck If You Buck, Spanning the Spurs, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, Thunderous Applause, and the Wizards Hoops Analyst. Plus, our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and The Green Light. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, J.J. Rivera, and welcome to 305 Culture, a podcast where you'll feel the heat. Now let's get down to business and talk some Miami Heat basketball. Joining me today is Adam Borai. Adam is also known as Clutch in the Twitter sphere and for and in Heat Twitter, and he's an NBA insider for the Five Reasons Sports Network. Without further ado, let's welcome him. What's up, Adam? Hey, J.J. Thank you for having me. All right. Awesome. Well, the Heat went 2-2 two and two in the past week. The first two games were wins, the last two games were losses, and we're about to dive into that. So let's get into it. First, we got our second matchup with the Pistons. The first one resulted in a loss previous week, which was the game which that prompted Heat Twitter to start hitting a bit the panic button, but the Heat bounced back in this game. Adam, is there something that you that you like to comment on of the improvements that you saw from the Heat in this game compared to the last game? Well, I think the Heat really came out strong. And and while they didn't have the best start, while they were down, I think, by 15 to 20. uh, Yeah, they were down by 15 in the beginning. You can tell that there was a sense of urgency within the team. uh, And and you knew that by the halftime or by the third quarter that this team would come back and, and they'd be all right. So I had no concerns about the team coming back and winning the game. But giving up that early lead to the Pistons in the second game was concerning to me uh, just because you you expect the team to come out on fire. So uh, outside of that start, I had no concerns, but in the beginning, it was definitely worrisome. Yeah, I was definitely worried too. The Pistons led at one point 28-9, to and I was in my head, I was like, well, if we lose this game and if we lose it in in another blowout, then I think we really should be worried. Again, we should not overreact. We have been without probably our second best player in Jimmy Butler in for the last, what, two weeks due to health and safety protocols. And he doesn't seem, doesn't seem like his return is nearby. Would you say? I think, uh, I think they'll be back. Both of them, Avery Bradley and Jimmy Butler, uh, sometime mid to late next week, if I had to really gauge what when the timeline looks at the current time or at the current moment. So I'd say maybe by the Friday game. Yeah, we on, on Friday we have... Let me check it out. I have it here in my notes. The Clippers, I think. The Clippers, yes. Very tough schedule for the, for the Heat in the, in the coming week. We're going to discuss that later on in the pod. Anyway, let's get into it for the second game. Between the Pistons and the Heat. The Dragons started due to Tyler Hero's absence. We started off slow. We gave up an 11 to nothing run to start the game. Which is not how you want to start against the, probably the worst team in the league. No disrespect to our friends over at the Motor City Hoops podcast. Over here at the Hoopets podcast network. Check them out. But the Pistons are not that good. Also, this was the game which Eric Reed decided to choose to be violent towards Blake Griffin for some reason. <laughs> and it was really funny. I believe somebody made a compilation of the of the slander that Eric Reed hurled towards Blake Griffin. And it was really, really funny. Anyway, the Pistons led by, by as much as 19 in the first quarter. 
And it was basically looking like the Wayne Ellington revenge game. Shout out to Wayne Ellington, Heat legend. And then Miami started to deploy its vaunted 2-3 zone. And the stops started coming and the offense started to pick up as the defense went along. And also, without Grant or Griffin on the floor, the Pistons had a lot of trouble generating some, some good offense. Some thoughts on the... Let's say the Wayne Ellington revenge game, Adam. I think you could definitely, if you're a Heat fan, you could definitely see it coming. You just know that a former Heat player that was cut by the team, he was waived, wasn't he? Yeah, he was waived yeah, by the team. Uh, you just knew that a guy like him who's, I'm pretty sure he was starting as well, he'll just come in and start firing and, and he'll have 21 points by halftime. That's just the heat way. That's just what happens. So I wasn't really that shocked, but I did find it really funny watching Duncan and Wayne run after each other and run through each other's screens. And, and you could just tell that they both are cut from the same cloth. So I, I found that really amusing, but you know, Wayne is their most offensive you know, firecracker of a player. And and if you can contain him or if he's the only one who's shooting and playing well, then I'm pretty sure you can get the win. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. We move on to the second quarter. We start off with a beautiful dribble handoff between Bam and Duncan, which we're, after last season, we're used to seeing those. And let me tell you something, though. There is still beautiful to watch every single time. Feels like it's the first time I'm watching them even if I've seen it already for a couple months now. The chemistry between Bam and Duncan has been great in the pick and rolls. Duncan has become even better reading what the defense is giving him. He's, I, I've seen him drive more towards the basket. I've seen him dunk a couple of times or go and lay it up, which is a really encouraging sign for his offensive game and his development because it forces defense to, to respect his driving ability and his elite shooting ability, and it opens up the floor and the offense, consequently, for the Miami Heat. And with Bam setting the screen and his rim-rolling ability or his passing ability, then you, you add that in the icing on top. The Pistons, after Wayne Ellington basically was scorching hot in the first quarter, they got seven straight points from Josh Jackson. And after Miami cut the league back down, they went. the Pistons went up by 11. The Bam mid-range, again... Beautiful. And Miami then went on a furious run and they came back within one. Something that concerned me a bit in that second quarter, Mason Plumlee grabbing a lot of offensive rebounds. This is something that the Heat have struggled with through all season long, what was up to this point. And when you fit, when you face, well, Mason Plumlee is not exactly an elite big, but when you face an elite big, for example, like Joel Embiid in those Sixers games, it was pretty apparent even though Bam was not playing, but it was pretty apparent that the rebounding might be an issue for this team. Anyway, Miami went on a 16-5 run, and they took a two-point lead. And, yeah, excellent offensive quarter for Miami, and they took the lead into the second half. Some thoughts on that second quarter, Adam. What do you what do you say about what I mentioned about the, the rebounding issues for the Miami Heat? No, I definitely agree with you. It felt like... Bam wasn't doing what he was supposed to do with the rebounding, but part of that is because he's the only big man on the floor. I mean, I don't really consider Kelly Olynyk a real big man, so when Bam has to carry the offensive load, you, you can't expect him to play amazing defense and grab every rebound, you know, because it's just too much for him to handle. So somebody else has to keep up on that load, uh, otherwise, the big teams are just going to keep punishing the Heat. And thats I'm pretty sure that's what happened with Mason Plumlee. He turned yeah. into the Mason Plumlee that got Bam Adebayo cut from the USA team. Oh, yeah. That's something that I think Bam will never forget. <laughs> and us Heat fans will never forget. thats I think I, I think that's something that we should add to our probably our wish list as Heat fans and as um, the Heat front office should be looking at it, adding another big man by the deadline, see who's probably cheap out there or a team or somebody that's that's maybe unhappy. I would love to, to see a PJ Tucker or Thad Young type of player on this team. That would be really cool. But anyway, we're, we're going to discuss that a bit later. 
let's move on to the third quarter. Harkless, I I mentioned, I think it was to David Ramil last week, that I thought that Harkless was looking pretty much like a bust of a signing. But this game, he looked pretty good, actually. And he was very engaged defensively. And the he was a perfect complementary defensive partner to Bam. Bam had some terrific passes in the in the third quarter. He found Kelly in back-to-back possessions, and the Heat caused a lot of turnovers by by Detroit, and they went on a seventeen to four run. Kendrick looked confident in this game. He it looked it was I was really happy to see him cooking this way. It was good to see him back because, as we all know, he he struggled a bit to start the season. Uh, well, it was since the playoffs he's been struggling, and he was out of the rotation at one point. But I was I was really excited to see Kendrick playing this way. What do you say? What do you think about Kendrick's Kendrick's resurgence? We should call it because, as we all know, he was out of the rotation a couple of games ago, and now he's playing important minutes for the Heat. We all know that there are ab- absences due to injuries and COVID-related issues, but I think he's been terrific this these past few games. I, I think he's been average i don't want to say he's been terrific because on the defensive end i still see a lot of mental lapses on his part uh it seems like whenever there's a screen being called he just loses himself and he loses track of his defender which is a big concern when the league is a you know the majority of the league knows what's you know what's out on kendrick nunn and how to attack him defensively so i think that's a concern and but the Detroit Pistons game, and we'll talk about it later, I believe, about the Raptors game, he was an offensive star for the for the Heat. And you could really tell that, especially in the Detroit Pistons game, while he only had, I believe, 18 points, you could tell that they were an easy 18 points. It wasn't anything that he really struggled with. And he, if he needed more, if he needed to score more points, he could have easily done it. Yeah, I would say I agree on the defensive part. I said that he was terrific because I love the conf- that the confidence is back on him because we've seen him we've seen him a bit a bit his body language has looked a bit suspect at times due to his maybe confidence issues as you know he been out of, of the rotation after being second team all rookie last season and struggling throughout the playoffs maybe that got into his head we all know that he was dealing with some pers- personal issues in the bubble but I. I really would like to see him playing that way offensively. Obviously, defensively, that's a whole nother issue. But at least offensively, I think he, he was really good. The fourth quarter. Here's a th- uh, thought that I wrote down in my notes. Bam is becoming a su- he's truly a superstar. He's becoming a superstar in our eyes. And maybe Jimmy's absence has been a blessing in disguise. For his growth, we all obviously want to see Jimmy out there. But maybe with Jimmy's absence... Bam has been kind of forced to take a a bigger role, and he's turned he's turning into a bona fide top fifteen, top ten player. Would you say maybe not not reaching top ten status, but I could see it in in his future with the way he has played these these past few games. Yeah, I think right now he's at around the fifteen mark, the top fifteen player mark. Especially after what we've seen in the last game. But if we're talking strictly with the progress of Bam as a player during the Detroit Pistons game, I think he was definitely a top 15 player at that uh, mark. Uh, And it helps that, or it doesn't help that they were playing a good team with, it wasn't a good team, but they had solid big men, big men that you can't just mess around with. They had guys that can get rebounds, that could defend on the post. So it wasn't an easy game for Bam, but you can see his full arsenal and his full array of offensive capability and defensive potential. So that's what was really on display in the Detroit Pistons game. And that's what just reminds us that he is already a top 15 player in his fourth year in the league, which is astounding. Yeah. I think it's truly remarkable the his growth and i'm really excited to see what the future holds for him because this the sky's the limit i've seen a lot of i've recently seen a lot of comparisons to kg with it's really funny i, I like to, i love to see the photoshop pictures of basically kg's ghost behind bam does he does he actually remind you of kg because 
maybe I was a bit too young to see Prime KG. I've seen his, I've seen his highlights, but you know, based on his highlights and his stats and everything, he he was truly a killer. The the thing is, KG was if Kobe Bryant was six ten or six eleven in terms of the Mamba mentality and that he could take the tough shots when needed and that he was always aggressive 24-7. We haven't seen that from Bam yet, but I'm sure we'll get to that point. The, the Kevin Garnett comparison is because Kevin was this big man that defied what a big man was, right? He was the, he was the Tim Duncan but, you know, the ultra-aggressive version of Tim. Uh, he, he didn't have all of the skills that Tim Duncan had, but you can see that when he wants to take over a game, he could easily do it. And that's what I think Bam has yet to reach. But I do agree with the Kevin Garnett-Bam Adebayo comparison. I think there's a lot you can take from Kevin Garnett's game and see it in Bam Adebayo already. He has that turnaround jump shot already. He has the mid-range. People call it the Bosch mid-range. I don't agree with that necessarily. I think it's more Kevin Garnett. And the thing that really makes a difference to me is how fast Bam is and how he can take big men off the dribble. While Kevin Garnett did have the length advantage, I don't think he was ever as fast as Bam is. Yeah, Bam is a bit I would say maybe Bam's a bit smaller, but he's he's got he's got a lot of that. He's got a quick first step, and he's really really explosive. So maybe that gives him maybe that gives him the the advantage in that department. And KG SF the the you know the little footage that I've seen of, of KG when he was he was a pretty good playmaker as well. And we all know that Bam is one of the best play, probably the second best playmaking big man. In the league behind Jokic, who's having, by the way, Nicole Jokic, man, that was, this guy's having a monster season, and I'm re- uh, just really, I'm really excited that we have him and that we drafted him. It, it's really a special feeling when, when you know, we all lifted with with Dwayne Wade, but it's really a special feeling when you draft a player and you and you develop him into this star. It's a really good feeling because you you see. You see the player grow alongside you, and it's really special. Anyway, moving on to the fourth quarter of the game. Plumlee was once again killing us. Wayne Ellington came back to the game and, and resumed the Wayne Ellington revenge tour. Goron had a he had a really good block. And something that I noticed, you know, this is a bit of, a, of Chris. We've been praising Bam all podcast long, but I would really like to see Bam clean up on the turn, on the turnovers. I know since he he's pro- probably the primary playmaker on the team right now with Jimmy out, the, the players we, who have the ball in their hands a lot they're, they're prone to turnovers because that's just that's just the way it goes. But if he could clean that clean that up, uh, really we would really appreciate it. Honestly, here's an interesting stat from the broadcast: Miami in the second half was out rebounding at that point the Pistons twenty to eight. So we mentioned that the Heat have some well-documented rebounding issues, but in the second half, they they cleaned it up. I think it's more, not necessarily due to Harkless playing more, but the Heat were playing with much more energy, as we saw, and, and they were playing, you know, some of the weaknesses of the 2-3 zone is that the back line sometimes gets ex- exposed, and you get some smaller guys in, in the back, so you're prone, you're vulnerable to offensive rebounds. But the Heat were doing a pretty good job of blocking out the Pistons, a, a team as big as the Pistons with Jeremy Grant, Blake Griffin, and Mason Plumlee. Bam, in those final minutes, he took charge. Uh, he closed the game for Miami. He, at one point, had the last seven points. He had a huge block on Jeremy Grant, and Miami ultimately won the game 113-107. to Miami shot 57% from the field. However, they had 18 turnovers. Well, what else is new? Honestly, this team is probably is the is one of the worst teams in the league in taking care of the ball. That's not a an opinion. That's a fact. And you know, we won 12 threes, and we move on to the Raptors. Before moving on to the rap, the first Raptor game. Any other final thoughts on the Heat Pistons game, Adam? 
No, I mean, I think you said it all. I think that was Mo Harkless' best game. He had seven deflections, which is really something amazing. And and the fact that we've been harping on the need for a guy that's a point-of-attack defender. And, and Mo Harkless can be that guy. He just can't defend fours or, or, to a larger extent, bigger wings. So I like what we saw out of Mo Harkless. And I think that the, it was a monumental win that he absolutely needed. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S-E. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Let's move on to the Raptor game. We got our first back-to-back wins of the season. Some consistency. And yeah, you know, later in the week we got some consistency too, but on the other side of the win-loss column. We got the vice versa jerseys. By the way, what what's what are your opinions on the vice versa jerseys? I'm honestly I'm not a fan. Uh, I don't really like the way they look on the court, and I don't like the way the court looks either. Uh, but, you know, you can really tell that they're marketing it for kids and that all the kids love them. I just don't – I don't like them that very much. Yeah, I saw somebody on Twitter that mentioned that they look like cotton candy, which I kind of agree on. Or that they look like the – like your TV is is starting to lose color. And the <laughs> – like, looks, It looks like yogurt to me. <laughs> they – they, I think I'm, I'm going to go more with the cotton candy comparison. I liked them when I saw them, you know, in the promo pictures. But when I saw them on the court, I was like, man, I don't know if I like this. They're probably, well, they're, uh, even before the season started, I was talking with Aaron Washington, and he said that, and we both agreed that they're probably in the bottom tier. They're absolutely in the bottom tier of the Vice jerseys with the Vice Knights and the, the I don't remember the exact name of the White Vice jerseys, I think those are the first ones probably at the top. But yeah, the Vice Versa jerseys, the reception amongst NBA Twitter has been outstanding. It's produced some great content. I, I encourage people to check it out. Gorant, Gorant, excuse me, Gorant, Vincent, Robinson, Olenek, and Bam start this game. And this was a very interesting game because the Raptors, as we all know, they are having a bit of trouble this season, you know, as well as, as well as the Heat. But as, as we saw in this game, the the Raptors are very disciplined on defense, which is no surprise given that all the seasons that every season that Nick Nurse has co- coached them, they've been outstanding on defense. Maybe they're not getting as much of a result that department, but they're absolutely disciplined on defense. Kyle Lowry played in this game, but he didn't play in the next one. The first two baskets for Miami were three-pointers. Kyle Lowry was cooking in that first quarter, They, but the Heat were outstanding for three. Duncan Robinson started three for three from beyond the arc, and the, uh, rap, the Heat offense was humming, but the Raptors were playing well too. Duncan was outstanding in the first quarter, but as we, yeah, I, I, this is funny, you know, I wrote that the three is falling tonight, which makes us blessed, honestly. And But the quarter ends 29-23, in our favor. This was this was probably our one of our best offensive games all season long. We had a we we shot the we shot the heck out of the ball really. Some thoughts on the on the Raptors, Adam, what do you think about them? Look, they're a team that honestly it's not fair for me to give an accurate comparison or, or to say things about this Raptors team when they're never going to play a home game this entire season. And not not only that, but 
they don't even have a real big man other than Chris Boucher. But Chris Boucher is like R. Kelly Olenek. I don't think he's that... He's not a true big man who can defend down at the post and get your rebounds. So we're talking about a team that is going to struggle with their interior defense and they'll never play a home game this entire season. And their best player is a 35-year-old point guard. So, look, the Heat, they had to play well and they did in that first game, which makes the second game, uh, which we'll talk about, really, really infuriating. But that first game, they did what they were supposed to do and they did it shorthanded. And that's all we can ask from this Heat team. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna break down this game, but I really want to talk about that second Raptors game because you you mentioned the word infuriating, and I think I think that's putting it mildly, especially in that third quarter when when we came oh so close to like I, I had hope for this team in the in that game, but then it all it all went to crap. Uh, Kendrick was you know playing really well in this game offensively as we as we, as we have noted. Miami mostly played zone, and the Raptors also played zone for a bit, which was really interesting because the both teams were switching it up a, a bit. Maybe on the wings, the the Raptors have the advantage with Siakam and OG Ananobi. Who, by the way, in that second day, in that second game, OG Ananobi was outstanding, and he has been playing really well so far in the season. The Raptors started to heat up, and. Some, something that I saw in that second quarter for the first Raptor game, Adebayo was looking for his own shot on the low block and back-to-back possessions. And that's what we like to see, really. We really would like to see him look for his shot more. Uh, Precious came in, and the Raptors and the Heat started to trade buckets at that point. But the Heat had six turnovers in that second quarter, which caused the Raptors to gain a slight advantage and the halves ended with Toronto up 58 to 56. Now let's move on to that to the third quarter the the as I said the Raptors were playing a similar style, style zone as Miami did and uh, something to note the heat contained Pascal Siakam very effectively in that game. And we move on to the fourth quarter where Miami had some really nice back-to-back possessions with Nunn and Bam running the pick and roll, but the results were varying. There was some misses and there were some turnovers. The I think the play of the game was a in my opinion, a beautiful read by Bam, which he saw the def he read the defense correctly. He was basically standing at the at the, at the top of the key. And there was Bam and there was another player who I can't remember, I think it was Goran on the corner three. And he basically made the defender choose he looked at at, Gore, at the guy in the corner and the defend, and he made the defender jump and he then he whipped the pass with his offhand to Iggy for a huge three. What what do you th- I think that play epitomizes how much of a great playmaker Bam is? I don't know if you remember the play specifically, Adam, but you know what what do you like about how the Heat play? You know. The Heat made 18, 18 threes in this game, but what did you like about the Heat in this game particularly? Yeah, so I believe the play that you're talking about was a clear out, and Bam was essentially the point guard, and he drove to his right, and he had Goron in the corner, but the thing is he never even looked up and saw Goron there. Uh, he made a very LeBron, Luka Doncic type of pass that you know nobody was expecting. And it left Goron wide open for the three that really iced the game. Uh, that was the biggest moment for me. And it was three straight possessions where Bam took the ball. He drove and he said, this is my quarter. I'm going to do whatever I want. And there's nothing you could do about it to stop me. And that's really what I took away from the win. Aside from that, Goron was clutch. You know, he had, I'm pretty sure he scored seven or eight points straight off of Bam Adebayo assists. So, it was a great game. I enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed watching what Bam did. And his ascension just continues to grow. Yeah. It was an outstanding game for the Heat. As I mentioned, 18 threes, 48% from the field. 18 turnovers. But what can we do at this point about that? 
I think it's more there. There was something. Cons- Let's move on to the second Raptors team because I want to talk about something. The Bam and Drogic last minutes, they're atrocious. I, I would you would you agree? When when neither of those no, guys are on the floor, you. when neither of those guys are on the floor, the the offense completely falls apart. Vincent is not the answer. Neither is none for the for the secondary playmaker spot after you know with without Hero and with Dragic sitting, the team man the team also absolutely falls apart. Give us your thoughts on that because as you said you agree with me, but give us your thoughts on the overall game or no, just on the on the on the Bam Dragic less minutes in this game particular. Well. There was a moment in the game, and I, I voiced my concerns on, on the five reasons post-game. Uh, the game was tied 61-61, and the Heat had just come back from, I think, 15 or 16 down to tie the game in the third quarter. And I, I get why he made the call, but Coach Spolstra actually called a timeout when the Heat had the Raptors reeling. And not only that, but when he took when he took the timeout, he took Goron and Bam out of the game entirely, and the Raptors then proceeded to make a ten point jump right back ahead of the Heat in a span of two minutes. And then Coach Bo was forced to put Goron and Bam back on the floor together, right? But it was already too late. You're down ten again. The Raptors had adjusted to whatever the Heat were doing. And the Raptors really got a break. So that really was the entire game in that sequence when when Coach Spo decided to take both those guys out. And he didn't even give them a rest, right? Because it was- the entire point of the timeout was to give those guys a breather, to sit them out, have them come in fresh in the fourth quarter. But taking those guys out when you're on a roll really takes you got your guys out of the rhythm and it gives the other team an opportunity to take advantage. And that's exactly what the Raptors did because they're a well-coached team. So if I had to summarize the entire game into a three or four minute sequence, it was that right there. Yeah, I think I, I agree with you. And it's it's here in my notes. When the when Gabe Benson tied the score at 61, Ban came out and Precious came in. And so did Goron. Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm going to play devil's advocate here, but maybe Spo was thinking, Vincent maybe is back in rhythm, and I can give Gore, I can afford to give Goran a breather and and Bam too, and and hope that the that the defense and that the Raptors and hope that the that the Heat that the current lineup at least holds up. But they apparently couldn't. Maybe the Heat that was his thought process. I don't know. No, I think the thought process was to just give those guys a rest. I don't think it had anything to do with. Uh, bringing in other guys. I think he wanted uh, Coach Spo wanted to go into the fourth quarter with a tie game, right? He he knew that the only guys that could really score on the team were Bam and Goran, and I think that's what is he was weighing and and measuring against. Yeah, I may I think I agree with you there. Anyway, the and that I I breezed I didn't mention the first two quarters, but basically Norman Powell was on fire. The the first quarter ended twenty to thirty-seven. Raptors. The fact that the Heat could only score twenty points in the first quarter tells you all you need to know about the Heat offense in this game. Forty-two points in the first half for the Heat, for the entire Heat team, by the way, which is their season low. And Powell had nineteen for the Raptors at that point. It was a really ugly game, and you, the third quarter, I thought that. You know, as we mentioned, the Heat managed to tie the game at 61. And then the substitution happened. The Raptors came back, and it was basically over. By that, by the third quarter, the Heat were shooting 6 for 21 from 3. But they only trailed by 9. The game then got away from us at, in the fourth quarter. OG Ananobi started making some timely shots. The Heat were just... They just simply could not buy a, a, a 3 that that night. Because the, the Raptors... Were very disciplined with the with Miami's off the ball movement. They stayed with the shooters. They committed to to stopping Duncan. Who and, and I forgot to mention that first game he was scorching in that first quarter. 
But then we didn't hear from him since then. He, I think he came back in the third quarter and made another three in the first game. But that speaks to how much of a good coach Nick Nurse is and how well coached the Toronto Raptors are. So let's just get this one over with. Miami lost 101-81. to They shot 42.9% from the field. 19 turnovers. Only 7 threes for Miami. Aside from what we mentioned, Adam, would you like to add anything else? No, I think uh, I think that stretch in the third quarter really sums up the game. Uh, and for some reason, the Heat just didn't have anything left in the tank after that sequence. Yeah. Let's move on to Heat Nets. No, that was an exciting game. We lost, but I think the the biggest development of this game was Bam Adebayo. The 41 points that he scored against the newly formed Nets. Big three of James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving. Adam, what do you, what, what are your first thoughts on the on the Bam stat line and the on the game that we saw Bam play? I thought Bam played. He outplayed three Hall of Famers in one game, and I think that that's a stride that none of us saw ever coming. And he put up numbers that some players will never put up in their careers. You know, not, let alone one NBA game. I do think that some of it was a proponent of the Nets not having a true big man that can defend. However, I will say that Bam Adebayo did most of his damage out on the perimeter, which makes it better for the Heat and harder to defend the critics that say that he only did it against the Nets because they don't have a real big man, right? Now, a guy like Joel Embiid, that's a different story. Joel Embiid, he's a longer type of player. He's taller than everyone else. He could just bang down low and get anything he wants. But Bam, he's a smaller guy. So when he has Jeff Green on him, it's harder to you know, outmaneuver players like that. And the majority of his game came from the mid-range. And that's something that I don't think any of us ever saw coming. You know, I think... I want to say 80% of his shots or all of his points were from the perimeter. Yeah, and highlighted by that, by the halftime buzzer beater from three from for Bam Adebayo to, it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was halftime. Maybe I'm remembering it wrong. Here's a, here's something interesting that I found on Twitter this morning. Uh, Jackson Frank from, from Oprox. I follow him and he, because he he's put out, he puts out some outstanding work. But here's something that really caught my eye. Bam Adebayo is, in, is ranks into a 94th percentile in isolation. And no other Heat player comes close. That's I I didn't think, as you said, in a million years that he will not in a million years, but I I didn't think it was it was this. It would be this this season that Bam would become the player that he has become. And as I mentioned, maybe Jimmy's absence is a blessing in disguise. I hate saying I I kind of I kind of hate saying that, but it's the truth. With Jimmy out, he has been forced to 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 the spotlight, and he said at post game that he was he has to be more aggressive in order for his team to win more games, which was basically a. It was basically a rallying rally cry for Heat Twitter, who, who have been advocating for him to be more aggressive. So um, let's not forget the contributions for the other from the other Heat players. Goran and Nun they play well. However, you know the Nets have too much firepower. Their defense is atrocious. I think it was pretty apparent in the in the two Cleveland games, Colin Sexton burying them. We still we we're in middle of the pack offensive team and we managed to score 124 points against the Nets, which really speaks volumes to how bad the the Nets defense is. We didn't the Heat didn't score less than 25 points in any quarter of the game, and they scored 42 in the fourth quarter. How about that? How about that? That's that's a really good number for a struggling team and the, for a struggling offensive team throughout the season, and. Adebayo, excuse me, the Heat went on on a run. They managed to tie the game, but well, you know, we couldn't handle KD. 
and Kyrie, especially Kyrie in the in the fourth quarter. Some thoughts on the game before we move on to award our Heat Player of the Week, which I think is which should come as no surprise. Yeah, I think it was a great game. Uh, it always felt like the Nets were about 12 points ahead of the Heat. Uh, but that third quarter, the run, I believe, at the end of the quarter that really made this a, a close game. Actually, I think it was in the beginning of the fourth quarter. Yeah. But Bam did hit another buzzer beater at, in the third quarter. Uh, it was actually a pull-up mid-range jumper. So, uh, I mean, what can you say? I mean, Bam, he really took over. But the only difference is the last two minutes of the game – we, we really saw the team go away from Bam. Uh, I think Bam, every time down the court, he needs to touch the ball at least once. I, I just think that that's where we are as a as a team at this point. And when you ha- don't have Jimmy Butler or Tyler Hero on the court, whenever Bam is on the court and he's on in an offensive tear, he should be getting the ball every time. And the biggest... the The thing I always say about Bam is... He needs to learn how to break the offense because a lot of times he plays within the offense. And this was the very first time where he got the ball on clearouts and he just signaled everybody away from the ball. And he said, you know what, this is me. I'm going to do whatever I want. And that was the very first time I saw him actually break the offense, as I like to call it. And that's the biggest takeaway for me. But I want to see if he does it again. The Nets, the next Heat game. Yeah, they face the Nets again on Monday, which give maybe the Nets will adjust probably. But I really, but I really would like to see how Bam responds after having such after his career night. Well, in the end, the Nets won one twenty to one twenty four. Let's so let's do the Heat Player of the Week award. Adam, should it come as a surprise that it's Bam Adebayo? No, I think it's Mo Harkless. No, I'm kidding. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Bam out of bio. Hey, shout out to Mo, to Mo Harkless. He, he had a great game against the Pistons, but it's obvious. The, the choice is obvious. Bam out of bio. His averages for the week, 24.2 points per game, 9.2 rebounds per game, and 6.2 assists per game. Those are elite numbers. Well, I haven't... We've been... With, we should probably title this the Bam out of bio praise comp podcast because, man, did I, I think I've... Never praise Bam so much in my pod because it's just that he, what he showed us this this week was outstanding, really. Absolutely. Now let's look at the week ahead for the Heat. Got as I mentioned, we got the Nets on Monday, Nuggets on Wednesday, Clippers on Thursday, and the Kings on Saturday. That's uh, those first three games are really tough. What do you say, Adam? Yeah, I see a lot of games that are. Are, are tough, but they're still winnable. Uh, I like the Heat tomorrow against the Nets. I think the Nets uh, will struggle to beat the Heat, you know, after beating them in a close one. I think the Nuggets, is it in Miami or is it in, in Denver? I'm not sure. I think it was, pretty sure it was in Miami. But okay, I'll... well, if it's in Denver, the Heat have no shot at winning. But if it's in Miami, I like their odds. I think the Clippers game on Thursday or Friday, whenever it is, I think Jimmy will be back for that game and Avery Bradley, so the Heat will have a better chance. And I do think that they can beat the Kings on Saturday. So, I look, it looks tough, but the Heat can easily string a few wins together, and I think there's going to be a surprise win that nobody's expecting. Yeah, the, the Nuggets game is in Miami, so I, th- I would actually give the, the Heat a shot. Especially with the with the Nuggets' offensive struggles, it's defensive struggles, I should say. Sorry, but those are three teams with a lot of offensive firepower. With given that our defense has not been up to par, I think I'm a bit worried in that regard. But if it helps jumpstart our offense, then I guess that's a trade-off. And the Kings, the Kings have the worst defense in the league, and I fully expect them to win that game. Will which will probably come back to bite me, and I hope they don't lose that game because I'll be very disappointed. Anyway, let's look at the where the Heat rank in terms of ratings. Right now, 
after the after last week's action. They ran 22nd in offensive rating, 22nd in defensive rating, 29th in turnovers per game, 14th in three-pointers made, and 30th in offensive rebounds per game. Adam, which of these do you think is probably the most fixable and the one that you were worried the most that about fi- that could not be fixed or will take a bit more of work of fixing? I think you can clean up the turnovers. Uh, 29th in turnovers means there's a lot more that you can do and you, you the only way up the only way you can go is up basically uh the 30th and offensive rebounds i think that's going to be a real problem i don't think they'll be able to fix that because they don't have the bodies they just don't have the guys that can come in and get those rebounds unless of course jimmy and tyler come back and and they pick up all the slack that bam can't do so if that's the case, then maybe there's some room for them to go up in the standings in terms of offensive rebounds, but not by a lot. And I do think that the three-pointers made, that will fix itself. You know, when Tyler Hero becomes a higher than 30% three-point shooter for the season, when Avery Bradley comes back, and when we just continue to see Duncan Robinson figure out ways to get open and, and hit some threes. So I think there's a long way to go in terms of their uh, three-point ranking, uh, but I don't think that they can help that much in terms of their offensive rebounds per game. Yeah, I I'm gonna agree with the offensive rebounds per game part. Unless there's a unless they trade for somebody for another big man, we simply do not have the bodies for to compete in the boards probably against anybody. However, I think that the one that can be fixed with every when everybody comes back, but you know. When when I keep saying when everybody comes back, that's starting to sound a lot like when the pandemic ends, which you know it seems is pretty far away. But I'm gonna say the offensive rating. We were a really good offensive team last season, and we've got basically the same personnel, with, say for for Jay Crowder. So I think that we and that that he can can thrust himself back into the top ten in the league in terms of of that. The defensive rating is a bit more of a question mark. Avery Bradley and Mo Harkless are defensive-minded players, but when you when you start Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson, you're going to have problems in on defense. So maybe the defensive rating will not improve as much. But I agree with with you on the other parts. Turnovers per game. The only way is up. We need to clean those up, especially maybe if ba- maybe they start to clean themselves up with with the playmaking duties being a bit more of a collective effort between Tyler, Goran, Jimmy, and Bam, with and not only being Bam and Goran sharing those duties and pl- placing a lot of pressure on them. The three-pointers made, you know, Tyler could come back to 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 earth and and start shooting a, more than 30%. But, the you know, as we mentioned, the offensive rebounds per game are a real issue that unless they trade for somebody, they are real trouble for that. Would you would you like to see the Heat target somebody to address that issue, Adam? The rebounding issue? Yeah. I think they there are guys that they can find, whether it's the buyout market or the trade market, but I wouldn't spend heavy resources to get a big man. You know, you're playing Bam at the center in the playoffs anyways. So if you you know, spend resources to get a big man that's not going to play in the playoffs, it only hurts your team. So I think if they can find a guy and buy him low, I would do it. But if it's an expensive target, I wouldn't do it. I would really... I I was starting to... I, I mentioned before that I really like to see P.J. Tucker, so, you know, since the Rockets might look into trading him, given to, according to, to some reports. But after seeing him play a couple of weeks for the last couple of days, I should say, I really would like to see Thaddeus Young on this team. I know maybe he doesn't help that much on the on the rebounding department, but he him alongside Bam and the front and the power four slot, I think that could be something for the Heat. That could really be something good for them. Would Would you agree, or would you, or would you rather incline more to towards the Peter Tucker side? I would, I like PJ Tucker more f- 
than the than uh, Thad Young because I think PJ Tucker he's a lot easier to implement to a system. You know what he does. You know what he does well. Uh, and I think that's an easier piece to put in. Thad Young wouldn't need more time. He'd need a training camp, which the Heat don't have the luxury of having. So yeah, that's true. I guess I guess I I can agree on that. Well, Adam, where can we find you? You can find me on the Clutch Corner on on Tuesday nights, usually at eight o'clock. Uh, you'll find me with my host Royal and my other hosts uh, Michael and Alana Tackhauer. And you can also find me on Five Reasons platforms, whatever they may be, uh, and the post games and, and some podcasts. All right. Well, awesome. You To all our listeners, you should definitely go and check out Adam's work. He's outstanding. Or go follow him at your, your Clutch NBA on, on Twitter. Is that correct? Clutch Adam NBA. Clutch Adam NBA. There you go, folks. You should definitely go and follow him. So anyway, Adam, thank you for coming, and thank you to all our listeners for listening to the 305 Culture Podcast. Subscribe to our feed, wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave a short review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. We will really appreciate that to help us grow. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 305CulturePod. Wear your mask, keep your distance, and watch the NBA. See you next week. Bye-bye. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit MyPodcastManager.com to get started. Thank you for listening to the 305 Culture Podcast. Subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 305 Culture Pod. Wear your mask, keep your distance, and watch the NBA. See you next week.